listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 164, The Jungle Book 2. Good on you, lawyers. Good on you. This movie was nominated by one of our patrons. If you'd like to find out how you can get one of your favorite movies nominated, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. If you're lacking fun in your life, this will fix that. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm Morgan Stradling, and I'm here with my co-host, who is the bee's knees and has all the bare necessities, Chelsea Robson. I'm a wild animal at parties. <laughs> For those of you who are new to our show, the Animation Addicts podcast covers the wide world of animation. We talk about films past and present, and we are going into the past just a little bit. We're going to be talking about the film The Jungle Book 2 today, so we're going to review it. We're going to talk about it, give our thoughts on the themes, the characters, the songs, the motifs, anything and everything is fair game for us. Well, should not say everything, but as far as the Jungle Book 2, we got you. <laughs> this was actually a patron pick by one of our newer patrons, Lauren Rodriguez, as part of her tier of perks. At the $10 level, she gets to pick a movie and we get to review it, and she chose The Jungle Book 2. So welcome, Lauren. In addition, I want to give shout-outs to our other patrons who have joined since this since the beginning of December. December was a great month for all the new patrons who joined the crew. So I'm going to give shout-outs to Thomas Wagstaff, Elijah Frederick, of course, Lauren Rodriguez, Brian Wong, Sol Carlos, Alex Beavis, Amelia RN, and Rebecca Borshevsky. So welcome. Welcome Yay! to Roto Nation. Majority of those people have already joined Roto Nation, which is our exclusive patron-only Facebook group. There are over 50 people in that group right now, which is pretty cool. We have us, the hosts. We have some of our writers who do some of our articles and, and different series on the website. So they're a part. And then, of course, all the patrons, $5 and up are apart. So it's becoming quite a little close-knit group. It's really fun in there. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to rotoscopes.com slash Patreon to check out the perks. But enough about that. Let's dive into this movie, shall we? Let's do it. That morning sun peeks over the mountains and all the rhinos rub their eyes when they hear, hear, what? hear the jungle rhythm. So The Jungle Book 2 is very interesting for me and a couple of reasons. Uh, because this was one of the very few Disney direct-to-video sequels that actually went to theaters. So it did not go direct-to-video. It went to theaters and then straight to DVD uh, or VHS in this case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very short list. We had the Peter Pan sequel called Return to Neverland. And then, you know, going back, I don't know if I really count this, but I guess, I mean, it was Rescuers Down Under in 1990. So really. But that wasn't just, direct to video at all. Was, like that right. was specifically for a theatrical release. Yeah. So really, it's just these two movies, Return to Neverland and Jungle Book 2, are the only ones that I can think of at the moment. And if you guys know of any others, please let us know. Um, but from my searching, that's all I really found. Yeah. As far as the Disney canon. Uh, well, you know, times are changing, Chelsea, because we are getting Wreck-It Ralph 2, Frozen 2. Expect a lot more twos theatrically in your future because Disney's realized, hey, hey can, we can do something about this, which is actually very interesting because, you know, we've talked about of these We've talked about these direct-to-video sequels before mm -hmm. and the market that just became huge in the 90s where they realized, hey, we had this big hit, this franchise. We don't necessarily want to do another big theatrical release, but we can release it on the home video market and make a killing. And then it's really interesting that these movies, now they were initially, I think, for a release direct-to-video, but then along the way decided to, you know, do... A, to make it theatrical, you know, and, and with this one, it did really well theatrically, but it's just really interesting how just 20 years more or less has passed since the initial, you know, return of Jafar, I guess that's when I count the home video market, the beginning. And now it's, oh, we have this amazing franchise. We don't want to spend time thinking of new stuff. <laughs> Let's Why? just think of new stuff for our old stuff. 
<laughs> and off we go, and we have Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Frozen 2, which is really funny because if you look at all the films over time, like, yes, majority of these films from the 90s and even some of the older ones, they went back and created sequels for. But, like, Wreck-It Ralph 2, to me, it's it's like, yeah, I liked Wreck-It Ralph, but I'm not sure that's, like, the first one I would go back to. I'd, like, love to see a Tangled 2 over Wreck-It Ralph 2. But that's okay. We're not here to talk about the merits of Wreck-It Ralph 2 because it doesn't exist <laughs> yet. We haven't seen anything. Sure, it's great. There's going to be digital princesses in there. So who's not excited for that? That's true. And Frozen is just Frozen. So, I mean, that was kind of expected. But going back, The Jungle Book, too. It's interesting because, you know, this was an older franchise that they decided to add new life into by bringing the sequel, which we will talk about. I mean, you wonder, is it kind of like how Sony is really trying to hold on to Peter Parker in Spider-Man? But And so every couple of years, they've got to throw in their their remake uh, in order to keep the licensing. So I don't think that's the issue, but it's like, what are some of, what do you think are some of the other thing reasons that they decided to put these, you know, two theaters? Like for me, I was thinking, well, the Toy Story 2 came out in 1999. And so I feel like Disney was like, oh, hey, Pixar did a, did a, sequel that worked really really well and people loved it and i'm sure that just overcame the sequel slump for everybody right no it did not but they <laughs> i think that's just something that they i don't know what what do you think i mean money is money is money so yeah you know they're looking <laughs> for all sorts and this this was a very very big market at the time the the home media market i didn't feel especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was still kind of at a, not necessarily the highest point that it was, but it was still quite the cash cow. So it was almost like, why not? You know, and if we could make some, a few extra bucks doing it by putting it theatrically even better. Yeah. And that's actually what happened is, you know, the, it ended up making $135 million worldwide, which that in itself is not too shabby for a film. I think for like a, a Disney, like a new Disney film, we would expect it to do better than that. But for a film that was really intended for a home media audience where the budget was significantly less and the marketing budget was significantly less, like I think that's a home run for yeah. the Disney, for Disney Toon Studios and the Disney crew. So they really couldn't have asked for anything better considering, I mean, it's not that amazing of a movie. It's not so revolutionary really not, no. or groundbreaking or just this, uh, you know, amazing new setting. Uh, it, it's not that hence for it to do, you know, over a hundred million dollars is, is quite good. Here's another question I had, and I think maybe we should head on over to the nerdy couch for this. All right. Let's change rooms. One second. <laughs> let's give us a second. All right. So here's the thing. If we could upgrade a film from direct-to-video to theater of all of the, the Disney direct-to-video sequels, which ones would you do? Give me, like, two. Aside from, because I know that you and I both are going to be picking Aladdin and the King of Thieves. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Why are you taking that away from me? So, because we're both doing that one. So, two more on top of that. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. I have a list that I found on Wikipedia. Basically, it just has all of the lists of this. And so we're, we're just going through and of our own, you know, just trying to decide which ones would be the best. Yeah. You know, looking at this list, they're not that great. <laughs> they're you know? not. They're not ones where I'm like, wow, most amazing movie ever. Except for Aladdin. Except for Aladdin. Right. You know, but we're looking at, you know, just it's basically super generic, like Bambi to Milan to Cinderella to Hunchback of Dr. Tom to Lion King to, you know, just all these two, two, twos, 101 Dalmatians to like, they're not that great. Like, I'm no. not really interested in seeing any in theaters other than <laughs> the one that I've already mentioned, which right. apparently I'm not allowed to pick. <laughs> I know, because so, we've already picked that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to pick that one and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What have you made me pick? I guess. I think Ariel's beginning would be a cool one to How see. I know that you would do that one too. <laughs> <laughs> because it's actually one of the better ones from this group. Yeah, it and, is. 
Cinderella 3 Twist in Time is actually pretty okay good. Yeah, it actually was. the three, like we were putting the three in (laughs) theater, but we totally just skipped out on two. I think there might be some confused consumers in the mix. So (laughs) I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Bad marketing decision, but here we go. All right. I'm going to go with Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. Oh, so fancy. <laughs> Honestly, I think that one, of all of the ones on here, I was like, okay, this one had a different story. It had a really cool villain. I mean, you had Forte, who was in there just like, he <laughs> was the crazy organ that, for whatever reason, did not get just bitter because nobody is able to appreciate him. I, I just like that one. So it has good spots for me, I think. I think I would do that one. And. And that's it. Yeah, you made me pick two, but you just picked one. Okay. Okay, okay. Legit. Uh, Two. (laughs) Enchanted Christmas. And then I would do... Oh, it's like... This is like Catch and Fire. (laughs) And Catch and Fire, you're supposed to do it quick. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Okay. Uh, Fox and the Hound 2 actually had really good music. So... Wow, that came out of left field. So there you have it, guys. <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you guys would pick. If you had to choose one of these direct-to-video sequels or threequels, which would you have make its appearance back in theaters? So. Tell me we ain't naturally to bring out the peace to you. All right, now let's go back to our main discussion. Let's talk about one of these, one of the lucky few that did make it into theaters, The Jungle Book 2. So before we go into that, we're going to do some general information. Of course, this comes from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, and Wikipedia. So the studio, this was produced by Disney Toon Studios. Of course, they are the sequel machine. Disney Toon Studios located in Sydney, but it also was done in part by Walt Disney Animation Studios in Paris, France, which is one reason why I think the animation looks so good. Clearly, budget was a little more than what we're used to, but that fact that Walt Disney Animation, at least the parents division, was involved, I think, adds to the the caliber of this. Mm -hmm. So the directors were Stephen Trenberth, and he's known for writing many Winnie the Pooh episodes. The release date in the United States was February 14th, 2003. Ah, Valentine's Day. So cute. Now the budget was $20 million, which is, hey, if I had $20 million to spend on a movie, I'd be very satisfied, but not too large compared to what we're used to seeing today and even back at the time. Probably a fourth of what the films would have been. And like we mentioned, it made $135 million worldwide in the box office. So we don't see how much that it made um, as far as the home media market goes. This was released on VHS and DVD a few months later in June. So it gave the theatrical run a little more time to do well before it's like, hey, buy this. And we (laughs) don't necessarily know the figures of how well it did. But, you know, I imagine that it added a couple 10, 20, 30 million, maybe more. I don't know. The stats are not available to me. So let's talk about the movie. I mean, we bought one, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't count because they basically could count you to buy every single movie that they came out with. Well, if it doesn't do well, at least we can count on the Robsons. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We could sell at least one unit. We know Marissa is going to want it. (laughs) Which, can I just say another reason why? I knew that you were going to choose Ariel's beginning was because <laughs> you were the one that coaxed her into getting that one. <laughs> I wanted to see it, but I didn't want to buy it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. What was interesting about this one is when you first start out, the you start looking at the cast. And so the first guy you really see is going to be that larger than life village dad played by John Ray's Davies, which, you know, his voice to me is so like, it's just so something that I'm able to picture and just be like, oh, it's that guy. I mean, I don't really know him, but like you've seen him on a lot of different things. He's he's like really good narrator. You know, he's I don't know. Um, Great, great voice. Yeah. But you always see him in like these types of roles, too, like things in the Middle East slash India slash some far off land. 
And then you had Baloo, the bear, played by John Goodman, who actually this was his his third Disney movie role. The first one was uh, Emperor's New Groove. And then second one was Monsters, Inc., even though that's Pixar, but still it's the same thing nowadays. Um, Yeah, so it was I'm thinking you kind of gone downhill to go to this movie after those. But at the same time, like, I don't know who else they would have gotten to play Baloo. Yeah, I mean, he he's a good Baloo. He more or less encompasses the role and the character. And the other voice actor wasn't around, and John Goodman is, and he's a name that we can promote, so let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Another name that was around at the time. This is a blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> Mowgli was played by Haley Joel Osment. Ah, uh, the Sixth Sense Kid. <laughs> yes, the Sixth Sense Kid, which if you look at his IMDb now, it's like he's got this giant beard that covers most of the picture. Like most of the thumbnail is just his <laughs> giant beard. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, the kid just doesn't want to act anymore. I get it. <laughs> you know, the giant beard trend is going to be something that we go back 10, 20 years from now, maybe even sooner. And we look back and we, the way that we not so fondly look back at the mullet, yeah. it's be the same thing. Like, <laughs> the caveman beard. No party in the front there. <laughs> and then Shanti was done by Mae Whitman. Her? Eh, maybe she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Mae Whitman, I she's definitely a very prolific voice actress yeah. now. And this was kind of the beginning of how she's getting into these roles. You know, Chelsea mentioning that little quote from Arrested Development. She was a character in Arrested Development. And it was always, you know, the same joke that she was forgotten <laughs> about or like, really her? Really? Okay. You know, don't understand why you're dating her, but sure. But she is most, I think, most famously known for being Tinkerbell in the Tinkerbell series. So that's been quite a good role for her. At least it was until it dried out and they decided not to do those anymore. But she's she's definitely made a name for herself. And so we got, and I think she has a really great voice. She has a very, like, youthful, pure voice, mm-hmm. which I like. And so I, I liked I liked her in this role. I did too. Yeah. And then next we had the fabulous Jim Cummings. You can't go wrong there. Mm. Played Hot Ka, you know, like the fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because the original voice actor of Winnie the Pooh also played right. Ka. Right. So, and he is the new Winnie the Pooh. So it's like, well, duh, you're taking over Ka. Duh. Sterling Holloway. Sterling Holloway, yes. But he also, he also covered for Colonel Hothi. And the MC monkey on when they go to the monkey city. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you have him and he is very versatile. Like why hire anyone else? Yeah, you got him in so the booth. Jim Cummings <laughs> can do it. <laughs> hey, can you just read these other lines for us real quick? <laughs> and then what the one that I thought was awesome was Tony J, who is also best known in my mind for being Judge Frollo from Hunchback. And I really liked him as Shere Khan. Like, he's just, man, his voice is just so menacing. He does such a good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you first started watching this movie, what were some of your first thoughts? So some of my first thoughts were, oh, yes, I remember this. A few years ago, they were really all about re-releasing some of these films on Blu-ray. And so I remember that I had done a review for this and the bonus features on the YouTube channel. So it kind of sparked that era of the YouTube channel. We were basically doing the Blu-ray reviews of like every Disney Blu-ray. And so like, ah, yes, this, I do remember this. And I you know, watching it, it's it's not bad, but it's not that great. The animation itself is pretty good and significantly improved from other direct-to-video sequels. And you can just see how technology has helped aid and improve the animation and its quality. But yeah, it's nothing nothing too special. <laughs> right. There were a couple quotes that caught me right at the very beginning. They're telling the story about how Mowgli came to this new place and and then he's like, oh, yes, because Shanti waved her eyes at you. And Shanti's, what? I did not. And then the dad, his his quote, 
we give thanks for Shanti's beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, jeez. All right, give thanks. <laughs> but I, I feel like that quote wouldn't really be in any movie today. You know, it's funny you say that because <laughs> that did stand out to me as well. And I just, I, I could see how with feminists being offended, like I feel like the feminist movement, or at least there's kind of... Um, faction where it's like I cannot compliment a woman on anything anymore almost mm -hmm. like any form of flirting or compliments about your looks and appearance are completely off limits and I completely disagree with that because I think compliments and you know whether it's about your personality or your looks are are needed and important especially someone like me where one of my five love languages is if you haven't read the book it's a great book but my love language is is words of affirmation so i you know feel loved when you tell me nice things about me um whether it's about my looks or my personality or other things and so i just i kind of disagree with this where it's like oh well we can't compliment or refer to any part of anyone's body ever because that's just not appropriate but so for me when it's like oh we give thanks for her beautiful brown eyes i just saw that i kind of interpreted it as like we're grateful you know that she has these beautiful brown eyes and that you know she's a beautiful woman and i didn't really take it as like that's the only thing she's got going for her <laughs> so it's like that's one piece of this shanti puzzle and yeah we give thanks for it just like we give thanks for all those other pieces yeah but it was, just, it was just so funny how he said it. Like, that's really just how it came down. Like, well, we give thanks for her beautiful brown eyes. Good for them. And I was like, what? I, just, I, I, I took it as like, we give thanks for like a lot of things. And this is one thing. Hey, thanks for pointing okay. it out. Let's give, we give thanks for this. But maybe that's not how it's intended. <laughs> nah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. But then the other one was, you're horrible, stinky boys. <laughs> uh, the stinky part, usually true. Yeah. So I do not, do not doubt that, especially in the jungle. Yeah. Anyway, they, they do a good job at kind of bringing in and showing who each one of these kids are and just their, the fact that they're just kids, really. Yeah, and they're kind of a little family. Uh, it's, it's not really made clear to me the adoption status of Mowgli within this family. Yeah, because throughout the whole thing, he's calling the dad sir until mm -hmm. the very, very end. He's like, okay, pops. You know, right, right. So I would have liked a little bit more concrete details. Like, were you adopted? Are you just hanging out till we find a, a better home for you or some some parents or, you know, it's more like, are you adopted or are they just your foster parents at this point in time? Like, I need to know. Right. Well, I do you closure on Mowgli's story. <laughs> How far along do you think this is after he joined the man village? I mean, a couple months to a year, perhaps. I think it's less than a year, probably more than six months, because he speaks quite well. But then again, right. there has to have been some time that passed for him to integrate into the Man Village Society. Right. Thought like last week. <laughs> right. But even then, like language doesn't seem to be an issue for anybody in this movie. So, <laughs> well, that's just a problem they did not want to tackle. Come on. <laughs> so, hey, we'll just go along with it. So the dad. The dad's basically set up the rules that now that you've joined the man village, you cannot go back into the jungle. You cannot pass the creek. You cannot go out there at all because look what happened to my arm. I was attacked. And I'm just thinking, um, Mowgli did rather well for like eight to ten years of his, you know, childhood. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you could learn something from this kid yet. You know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> More or less survived on his own. So there were a couple of new songs that they added to this whole thing. The first one was The Jungle Rhythm, which I actually thought was kind of fun. In the jungle rhythm. Yeah, like, please spark my memory because I feel like I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's a fun little song, but like the majority of these songs, they're nothing too special for me. Yeah, especially when they go back into like the bare necessities and I, I just feel like let's just do a cover of our own because so, right, right. so that we don't have to pay any original actors or anything or have the original playing ever so we're just gonna do our own again and do a cover i'm like okay. pigs with pigs yeah and then there was like this monkey city song which the whole thing i was just like okay they're trying way too much i can't right i don't get this one at all but 
the sweet smashbox re- the sweet smashbox remix at the end that one was lit- pretty legit take it, i'll take it <laughs> i, I kind of miss them ah <laughs> uh, the early 2000s they were a great time they were and then you finish it off with this like really slow credit song which i found really boring and i was like <laughs> okay i'm done we're turning this off now right <laughs> I mean, so as far as the songs go, there weren't, wasn't a lot to add. Um, no, and this is the, the era of we need songs for the sake of having songs. So, you know, they tried to recreate some of the exciting moments of the original film, but it's just not the same. Like, they didn't even bring the Sherman brothers back for this, which I feel like those guys were still around at this point, and I would have been maybe very happy to do this. Maybe not. Maybe it's out of their price range for this direct-to-video's film but that was released theatrically but you know what i mean yeah but it would have been really cool to see them come back and see what they have to offer for like a sequel you know fair mm-hmm. yes it would have been so there was a came a point in this movie where i thought all right there must have been a story meeting at some point in time as they're putting this all together and they said okay we're gonna do a sequel who should we bring back Eh, just put everybody in there and then <laughs> And then somebody's like, oh, wait, what about, okay, so the Vultures, we were kind of going off the Beatles at that time, and they were kind of the Fab Four, but boy bands are really big right now, so they always have five. (laughs) So I feel like we need another Vulture. Yeah, definitely need another Vulture. And they're like, okay, who do we get? Well, Phil Collins, of course. Phil Collins played Lucky, the new Vulture that... (laughs) Honestly, I just was like, no. I feel like Phil Collins was around the studio at this time. There was Tarzan and Brother Bear. So, I mean, he was the man. So they probably passed him and they're like, hey, let's see. (laughs) Want to be our vulture? Want to be a vulture? (laughs) Yeah, they were probably like passing him in the hall and just be like, hey, you got 20 minutes? Come over here and, you know, say some stupid things about your con. Actually, when you're looking at all of the people that were in this film, with the exception of King Louis the Orangutan, Winifred the Elephant, and the Wolf Pack, which I wish they had the Wolf Pack in here, um, everybody else was in the sequel. But the character King Louis, the reason why he was cut was because Disney would have to pay the estate of the voice actor Louis Prima for the characters to appear in the film in any form. And so that's why they're like, nah, he he went skedaddle. He left. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. it's so interesting. I'm like, it, I'm interested in what this contract was, because that doesn't happen for any of these other characters. But Louis Prima, he was this big singer. He obviously had a much better lawyer than any of the yeah. other people, because the fact that it, it's 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 like he owns the character almost, mm-hmm. that's you know, weird. rather than like, <laughs> I just voiced this character. It's. I'm wanting to dig into that more because good for him. And that's, this basically is the same situation more or less with what happened with Amy Adams character, Giselle from Enchanted, where they yeah. couldn't, other than the promotional what that they were doing for the film, they couldn't use her likeness in the parks. They'd have to pay her in perpetuity for that. And I'm just like, huh, good on these lawyers, but man, good on those lawyers. <laughs> But then bad on those lawyers because, I mean, he wasn't going to get paid anyway. Like, Disney was just say, okay, no, see you later. And it's interesting because there, you know, we did do an episode on kind of the dual Jungle Book. Like, it was the only movie where we've really done that, where we've tackled the original film and the live action remake in the same podcast. Yeah. And, you know, King Louis does appear. And I think that's because that was a different thing. That wasn't a, a sequel of the animated Disney yeah. Jungle Book. It was, we are okay. making an adaptation of Richard Kipling's book. So then it completely separates it from the original Disney one, even though like similar characters and whatnot, which then allows the estate of Louis Prima to not be able to get their grubby hands right. at royalty money. It's <laughs> funny. Good on those lawyers, man. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be the that's our title. <laughs> that's the title. That's the title. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the problem with some of these movies and these direct-to-video sequels. And when they start hitting the same notes that they hit on the original without really adding much new, you know, with this one, it's, okay, the first movie, 
Mowgli is in the in the jungle. He's having to survive. He's grown up living in the jungle, but now it's time for him to go back to the man village. And so it's his story of him eventually getting there. With this, he's in the man village, but he wants to go back to the jungle, which which I get. But then it's let's hit the same highlights and points that we did in the original film, which basically backwards, you know, or mixed up. You're going to visit the elephants. We're going to visit Baloo. Shere Khan's going to make an appearance again. We're going to go back to the old monkey palace, even though the monkeys aren't there. Or not the monkeys, but King Louis himself, right? Right. And it's, as a result, it just doesn't really add anything, you know? And they have songs, you know, just throwing them in because, like, we need songs. And it would have, if they were going to go back to the jungle, I just would have loved them to just explore something new, you know? Like, maybe just have uh, Bagheera and Baloo, but then like new characters. Yeah. But that's the whole reason for these sequels is we're just capitalizing on what was great from the first. And I have, but not all of them are that way. I don't, I don't feel like Aladdin and the King of Thieves, no. which I'm always going back to because it was just so different and explored. You know, there were the, the elements that you needed to have, like we need the genie, we need Jasmine and we need Aladdin and the Yago, you know, the main, our main group, Abu. But other than that, like, let's explore something new for the most part. And it really is a new, cool story. Well, this one, it's like, oh, we're back in the jungle. We're doing this. We're doing that. Like, okay, whatever. Oh, okay. Well, we're back in the man village. It just right. really suffers. Yeah. Well, and the, the people that they bring in as far as Shanti, and then you also have like her little brother. And then like, it's just, once again, they set up them as just kids, but without any real, motivations and even Mowgli in the very first movie it wasn't about him honestly it wasn't about his desires it was Bagheera Bagheera was actually the main leader because it was his desire to take Mowgli back because he's going to be otherwise this child is going to be killed so it's Bagheera taking this kid back but Mowgli is just there yeah and Mowgli defined that right but it's in reality, like it is Bagheera that's the one that's like really pushing the story along to right, a finale. Right. right. You know, interesting thing. I actually read the original Kipling book and it, there was one interesting thing that I, I had seen so many different you know, versions of the Jungle Book. But there was always this one bit of information that was taken out that was never explored. And it was a history on Bagheera. And the original book, the reason why everyone respects him so much is because he actually had been captured and put into a circus and had traveled around Russia and they abused him. So he had all these scars all over them. But he then uh, escaped, returned back to the jungle. And because he looked so different and had been so many different places and like knew of the man village and knew of man and what they do. That is what separated him from the rest of the animals. And that's why everybody looked to him like Bagheera. You, and, and I was like, man, I wish I would have known all of that. Right. Because that makes me respect Bagheera. Because in this film, like, he really just, he's really just treated as like the stick in the mud. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's the one who now we got to follow the rules, you know. And I just, I really wish that they could have, you know, maybe explored a little bit of that. That would have been yeah. awesome. That would have been really cool. Like, let's hear, who cares about Mowgli? Interesting. Yeah, because I always, I always liked Bagheera as a character. Like he is, you know, the rule follower and the stickler, and he's always trying to take him back to the man village. But, you know, he had a good heart and he was just a a nice character. Like I always kind of liked him more than Baloo in the original. So, ah, man, now you're making me want the film that never was. (laughs) (laughs) We could seriously make a, a lot of films that never were awesome. Another really interesting factoid that I didn't realize until this, but uh, I saw this on Wikipedia that in both this and the original Jungle Book, Bagheera and Shere Khan never actually meet during the course of the film. Because it lead to an epic cat fight. Yeah, because you can't put them together because then you're like, okay, now who would win? Shere Khan versus Bagheera, you know? I feel like Shere Khan, but well, that's just because yeah. he's twice the size. Yeah, but at the same time, like, Bagheera's been through some stuff, man. He knows some Now you're stuff. making me want to see, like, 
go on YouTube to see Jaguar fighting tiger video to see if that exists and to see who would have the upper hand. Like not like that. I'm, I want people to put them together and have them fight, but just like nature footage because that happens in the wild. Right. And I'm interested. Hmm. But yeah. Add that to your list of things to do later. There was one point in this film where I was like, did they really just do that? When Lucky goes and fights Shere Khan and then Shere Khan just leaves and it's like, did they really just kill off Phil Collins? <laughs> uh, I just can't get over the name of this vulture is Lucky. Like, <laughs> this, this is visual. Lucky, the vulture, is fighting Shere Khan. <laughs> Very ferocious. Good luck there. <laughs> you find the irony that your name is Lucky. But seriously, Phil Collins just died. <laughs> But he didn't, though, which mm-hmm. actually in the end made me sad because I was like, dang it, that would have been really funny if they would have actually killed off one of the characters in the film. But of course they can't. You know, it's the falling death. You can't actually see them die. But they didn't see him die in this one. <laughs> but to even like say that he died or, you know, leave the the watcher to assume that he died, of course, that's going to give kids lots of <laughs> nightmares. Right. Mammy's mom all over again. Although right. she was killed off screen. As well. It's true. (laughs) So, I mean, as I mentioned before, it's convenient that they all, you know, understood each other. There's these points where it's like, you you made him scare me? You don't want me? What? And then it's like Mowgli's, you know, desire to be with her and the man village because, oh, they like me? Oh, they're looking for me? But at the same time, his desire to stay in the jungle because that's where his plan was. Like, that's where his Mm -hmm. family and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all in all, I felt like the movie was, like, like watchable. But in the end, it was just like, well, flash those beautiful brown eyes, Shanti, and bring him home. (laughs) (laughs) And then bring on the musical number. Let's go. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> it just ends, I mean, it ends in the way that you would expect one of these movies to end, but yeah. Yeah, so just kind of like wrapping it up, of course, there's a big face-off with Shere Khan that we've been talking about, and and of course, the setting are these pits of lava, because our first movie, it was the fire you know, the jungle is on fire. So it's like, okay, I guess we're going to have to do something similar, but not the same. So lava pits. And I'm like, really? Like what? How many pits of lava are there in India, let alone (laughs) the jungle? It's just a very strange setting. It's like, okay, sure. Lava. Like how many times have you seen (laughs) lava in your lifetime other than maybe going to Hawaii and seeing a volcano, which then you still don't see lava because it's not an active volcano. Right. So... He just happens to be in a lava pit, you know. Right, you know, and which the fact alone being even that close to it would uh, be a bit scorched skin. Not a good thing to have. Uh, but that's okay. We're moving past that. They needed something fiery and to create the setting of, ooh, not only is a tiger chasing you, that's scary enough. Like, they could have done plenty with that. But no, no, no. Let's backdrop lava. So Here's okay. a funny thing, though. So they actually didn't want to kill off Shere Khan in this way because, as you notice, he is just caught in this pit of lava. He's stuck, trying to get out, but he can't. But mm-hmm. it's still in a pit of lava. Like, but right. they like, like, it, you're dead. Right, but it just ends off with like the eternal struggle of Lucky irritating him, going back and forth. <laughs> you know. So the reason why was because they actually did have a plan for a Jungle Book three. And I was like, oh. oh, no, really? They totally did. And from what I saw online, it said that it involved the story. It would involve Baloo and Shere Khan being captured and them getting sold off into the circus in Russia. Oh. And so they did, like, go back to, you know, that thing. Sold off to the circus storyline. Classic. <laughs> um, so Mowgli, Shanti, and Rajan... And Bagheera would have to save them. So I, I guess this is the point in time where Bagheera's backstory would come out. And then Shere Khan would have to end up changing his ways because he was then captured and that would be part of his his dynamic storyline. <laughs> but then came, you know, John Lasseter, CEO, and he just said... <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no more. I imagine him like the sorcerer in 
the Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia, where it's just going out of control with Mickey and the water (laughs) and the brooms. And the Sorcerer just like moves his hand and goes, no more. That's exactly how this is. That is exactly what John Lasseter did when he came on board. He's like, stop the madness. These sequels have got to end. These craziness, it's, it's done. I mean, like the man or not, you know, taking, not even thinking about current issues that are going on with him, but, you know. Have been going on with him, you mean. Have been going on with him. Um, You know, that was good on him. <laughs> good on him. <laughs> Thank you, John. Him that. <laughs> You've done He's... a lot of good, and this is one of them. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's rate this, shall we? We shall. So for me, I I can see how some kids would like this as being young kids and why they would, you know, go to see this in the theaters because, oh, it looks so much fun. Oh, Jungle Book sounds so cool. And then they did like, I mean, it was fun. It, it was very lighthearted and it did, quote unquote, update the classic for a more modern, I guess, audience. But it definitely didn't have staying power. For me, as I stated before, there's no real drive to the story. And it just kind of goes in circles because Mowgli doesn't know what he wants. You know, the best stories, in my opinion, are the ones with, like, clear desires and a clear ending in mind. Whether or not you get to that ending and learn something along the way is not part of, it doesn't really matter. But the fact that you had a clear destination helps. But really, I mean, he just showed up as a wandering kid. and it just wandered around and you didn't really have a, a real real destination. And like I said, Bagheera was the main protagonist that moved the story along in the one before. So without him, it just kind of wanders. Every day I'm wandering. <laughs> I give this two and a half stars. It's watchable, but really sm- the Smash Mouth remix is probably the only thing that I'm going to take from the film. <gasps> <laughs> That's another sign of the times as well. (laughs) Yeah, this movie, while I like the characters from the original, and I do like the original, it's not my favorite Disney of all time, but it is good to watch. This one really just doesn't try very hard to be anything different than the original. They throw in a new character, which is Shanti, and we see her from time to time, but it's not really like they're together, like from the very beginning. It's like Mowgli's doing his thing, and she sometimes appears. save him and whatnot like i'd rather and and the way that this is kind of if you look at the cover or previous covers of this it's like both of them together they would be so much cooler to have them both like get stranded in the jungle somehow and have to find their way home and and maybe maybe they're torn because he thinks the jungle is his home while she absolutely knows the jungle is not her home and wants to go back and so like they're stuck together they need to work together but they have these two different goals Right. right and at the end we could have seen them come together and realize what their true home is, which is for him and her, it's the man village. It's where they belong. And like, I just wrote this, the, basically the plot for the sequel that would have been so much more compelling yeah. because there was this character who we see, yes, she's batting those beautiful brown eyes, praises <laughs> in the first one. And she's just kind of this mysterious character. And then we have the opportunity to have her in this one, but, and, and she, we see her and she's ultimately the one, you know, fighting Shere Khan. And so it, it kind of trivializes everything that he did in the original film. Cause she can just come along and do it. And apparently anyone can beat Shere Khan. So apparently Shere Khan isn't that great of a foe. I don't know <laughs> when these two little kids can just destroy him, finish him, not, but not finish him because, you know, we never actually see that death. We need a treacle. That's what the threequel's for. And yeah, it was just something that I would have liked to have seen more. I would have, rather would have seen them link up and work together and then visit something new, new characters, new scenery, new obstacles, rather than to go back and rehash everything that we've already seen. So like you said, I'm going to rate this two and a half stars. It's not the worst movie ever. It's definitely not the best, but it's, it's tolerable and watchable, Mm -hmm. but just not my favorite. And I don't need to really go back and watch it for a while. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Um, all right, let's go into voicemails. Hello, this is Alex calling in to give my review of The Jungle Book 2. 
Of all the Disney sequels that were released in the 90s and 2000s, it puzzles me as to why Disney thought that this film was worthy of a theatrical release, whereas a sequel such as The Lion King 2, which is, in my opinion, much better than this film, was released straight to video. Nevertheless, this is not an awful film. There are much worse Disney sequels, and there are some redeeming qualities. The songs are pretty good, and I enjoy the voice acting very much, especially John Goodman as Baloo. However, the animation definitely received a downgrade from the 1967 original, and the story was very similar. I almost felt like I was watching the exact same movie. Overall, I give this film two and a half stars out of five. It's certainly not the worst Disney sequel, but I know that it could have been better. Bye. Hi, Horoscopers. I'm Sol. And this is my quick review of the Jungle Book, Jungle Book 2. So, first of all, I really like the character Shanti. She's just a great role model for girls. She's really smart and really brave. You can see her bravery in a lot of scenes. But that scene with the sure can, when she's kind of like thinking ways um, to get rid of him, it's really admirable, and I think, you know, for an older Disney film, it's really cool that they have such a, um, not just Mowgli be the brave, brave one, but her. Also, I'm not a huge fan that they bring bare necessities back, because, you know, it's a new film, you know, you shouldn't, yeah, it's a nice nudge in the original, you know, this is a classic song, but I feel like it would be better to keep it original in every way possible. And I really like the ending that, you know, though Mowgli accepts his life as a human, he still goes back to, you know, his other family. And I think it's really nice to see that. Thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to listen to the episode. Bye. Hey, you guys. It's Lauren. Um, I'm really happy that you're doing Jungle Book 2. It's one of my favorite Disney sequels next to Lion King 2 since it's Pride. But I digress. I saw it in theaters probably, I want to say, close to 50 times. And I am honestly not exaggerating. It just grabbed me and pulled me in from the very beginning. I know I wrote most of this on in the Ruination group, so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. But I loved Shanti, as you know. She is incredible, and I loved what they did with her. I loved how they developed her character more. And then we actually got to see a personality, and we got to see what scared her. We got to see her moment of bravery, even though they didn't put braver in the actual movie. And... We got to see just her friendship with Mowgli and the fact that she really did care about him despite the fact that he got on her nerves. You know, she felt like he was being a bad influence on Aranja and all this other stuff, and he had a whole new other way of life that she was had always been told when she was younger. You know, it's dangerous, it's dangerous, the jungle dangerous, don't go in there, you know, things will happen. And then she finally had to make that trek and just say, okay, I'm doing this for him. You know, even though I'm very angry at the fact that he left when he shouldn't have, I'm going to go in and find him because he's my friend. So that's a lesson that we all can learn from, and that's why Shanti is my favorite character in the movie. Now, I love Bagheera, but I've always loved him since the first movie. So he counts, but in a way he doesn't count because, like I said, he was in the first movie and he was awesome. But thank you so much for doing this movie, and I hope you guys liked it, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. And also, I wanted to say that I'm really glad to be a patron now. I'm enjoying supporting you guys and being a part of your community and just being able to help you out in that way. So thanks for allowing me to, and I will talk to you guys later. Hello, Rotoscopers. This is Ryan from San Francisco. I just discovered your podcast and really love it. One of the first podcasts I listened to was the review of Up from Pixar. And I thought it'd be interesting to know that I got to meet the real-life inspiration behind Russell. Now, Russell and his family were neighbors with the director. And Russell and the director's son would often participate in the same activities, I believe like soccer and Cub Scouts. So when Russell was complaining on the plateau, it was the same kind of complaints you'd hear from Russell when he was hiking around with the Cub Scout group. Some other things I'd like to let you know, uh, Russell's father is not a deadbeat dad. Actually, Russell's parents are wonderful people. And it's a wonderful family. So I thought you'd be interested to know that. And I really love your podcast and keep up the good work. 
Well, thank you so much um, also to Ryan for that awesome information on the movie Up. That's really good. Good to know about that. Yeah. I like hearing those behind the scenes. Yeah, me too. All right, guys. Well, this was a fun time. I'm glad that Morgan and I were able to get together and talk about the the movies that never were (laughs) and what we would have done. And and also thank you, Lauren, for suggesting that we do this movie because it was actually a good time for us to sit down and go through it. Now I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I wanna be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town and be just like the other men. To find the show notes and to leave your comments and your reviews on this movie, go to rotoscopers.com slash 164. We'll be in the comments there, and you can join the discussion as well. To contact us, you can send us a voicemail at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or give us a call at 406-646-6575. And, of course, to, to support the show, we've mentioned Patreon, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. That's where you can become a monthly member and get access to some pretty sweet perks and secret groups and secret clubs where it's all it's where all the cool kids are and of course if you are shopping on amazon you can go to rotoscopers.com slash amazon just start your shopping there save that in your bookmarks bar and every time you type amazon it will populate our little link and then anything you buy we get a little kickback as a thank you from amazon from for sending you to amazon so thanks to everyone who has been doing that it really helps a lot and lastly a very easy way to support the show is just to leave us a review and go to itunes and leave us a review there i'm going to read two five-star reviews that we recently received one is from litty animator and the title is it's lit five stars and it says yo i'm an animator and this is lit thank you we are lit True. nice <laughs> The other one is from Insomniac Tiger. It's a five-star review. It says, love this, exclamation point. And they say, I absolutely love this podcast. I've listened to every episode and some multiple times. While they are not just a Disney podcast, those are definitely my favorite episodes, with the exception of the Iron Giant episode. Ooh, going back to episode two. Love it. Actually, I just love them all. But I'm definitely missing Mason on these later episodes. Hope to hear him again soon. Morgan and Chelsea are wonderful, but Mason's sense of humor is much missed. Thank you, Insomniac Tiger. I definitely agree. We miss Mason so much. He's hilarious. <sighs> we need to find a Mason too. If anyone knows a Mason too, a Mason clone or a Mason robot, please hit us up because <laughs> I love the balance that he provided. But thanks for sending that in. And just so you guys know, our next episode, we're actually, it's another patron pick. We're going to be reviewing Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. Ooh, so a newer film that was released last year. So we we're excited to tackle that. And until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. What the? What was that? Sorry. I'm trying to eat real fast before we officially record since this is my lunch, unfortunately. But did you? Oh, dang it. Uh, Hold on. I'm like, why am I hearing things? Because you could be crazy. No, it's because a random window is playing a YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't find it. Where'd it go? You. Turn you off. Because I do not need to use you. Okay. I'm feeling a little less flustered right now. (laughs) 